You know what? Artists these days, they don't release whole CDs. They do this song by song thing. And then we've got the privilege that every time they release a song, we get to catch up and find out what happened in the meantime. So Jan Curtin is one of those as well. Jan, hello. How are you doing? I am fabulous. My wife says I'm also fabulous. I must be. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if your wife says something, that's it. That's it. It's done. (laughs) 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 But you still stay in Polokwane. What do you do there? I am. Yeah, in Polokwane, we have a church that we're running here. I've got a music school that we're running here. And Polokwane is also the base to from where I move as I travel through the country and to Europe. So, yeah, so lots of things happening here. Okay, before we jump into the, oh, my word, it goes to Europe a bit, tell me about the family there at home. When you close the door, who's behind it? Oh, my wife, Dalian Curtin. Um, she's also by backing vocal on some of the, the new CD uh, songs released. And a brilliant voice. I'm just hoping to get her CD released sometime or songs released. And then my children, Jenna May Curtin, she's 16 and not yet eligible for a, for a man. And my boy <laughs> is 11 and he is still long in my house. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Can you hear the dad speaking? Not yet eligible for a man. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Stay away. I've got a gun in the backyard. <laughs> <That's> not... <laughs> okay. We have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we go abroad here, you say you're running a church. Tell us a little bit. Um, the past couple of years in Polokwane has been uh, quite an interesting experience. And I think the church community, by and large, has got different expressions and different views. So so, so I often, you know, smile at people saying they got hurt in church and all of that. Then I say, well, I think the church is way too big. There's, there's too many million people in church. So maybe somebody disappointed you. And my story hasn't been different. So in the process of being disappointed by certain things you've experienced, there's still a calling. There's still a God who wants you to love on people, to serve people. So the past couple of years, we've had the incredible privilege of starting a journey with people, uh, with home churches that we have, we have started. And, um, and that has been such a lot of great fun. We have now started uh, four home churches so far. And it's so amazing to see the growth of people becoming disciples of Jesus and following Jesus. And so, yeah, so we have had a really, I think the, the proper word is we've had a jewel. We really <laughs> had a good time just serving Jesus together with these amazing people. I think house church is a wonderful way to handle, you know, pandemics in the world as well. Somehow there's a, there's a more intimate connection than a 5,000-seater church has when you know one another in a more direct and intimate way. But it also has its challenges, doesn't it? How does house church, if you had to explain to someone who's only been in, in institutional church all their life, and, and you had to explain to them, how does a house church work? I think the easiest explanation for me is uh, I love the book of Acts. Uh, it makes it quite simple because the study of the book of Acts reveals the church that meets in the house of. So they were very focused on intimate groups coming together purposefully seeking Jesus, seeking the teachings of Jesus and seeking to follow the teachings of Jesus. So what I love about house churches and the smaller group is nobody gets a pass. Everybody that's involved with this has to answer this question. How am I following Jesus? So for me over the past couple of years, uh, 
I was really focused on uh, one, one specific weekend. I remember the Lord said to me, ask people, say to people that you are not just a follower of me, but also tell them that you're a follower of my teachings. And, and what I have found in house churches, we get to answer this question. We get to ask it and answer it as individuals, as families, and say, how are we pursuing Jesus? How are we displaying Jesus? And sometimes I think in the larger groups, um, that question gets lost. And in the smaller groups, it's easier to answer that question purposefully and to say, we don't get a pause. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, but here's the problem. Now it suddenly gets uncomfortable because you can't get away and, and vanish in the multitudes. You are quite exposed because it's, what, 12 people in a house, 20 people maximum in a house together, and you've got discussions. And if someone's quiet, they're going to zoom in on you and say, and what do you think? So it's a, some people prefer definitely to stay away from any kind of house church because accountability is something you can't get away from. Yeah, I think as a follower of Jesus myself, over the years, I've had many questions and many thoughts. And I have seen Jesus dealing with his own disciples, with the 12 especially, and then the 72 others and the crowd. And nowhere along the line does Jesus say, it's okay to not want to deal with the question. Jesus comes and he has the ultimate picture of what my father says, I say what my father do, I do. So he encourages us the whole time towards that goal. I think for me, the, the thing that answers this question for people that are struggling is, is let's love one another in the process of taking shape in this kingdom of God. I think everybody's process is just completely different. For me, I grew up in a house that didn't allow me the option not to serve Jesus. Um, my mom, if she had to drag you kicking and screaming to church, she would, but I didn't have that option. Other people, two weeks ago, I met a lady. She's 33 years old or young, and she has never been in a church. She has never read her, a Bible in South Africa. And I remember speaking to her, and I, I was amazed at this discovery. So for her, what would it look like to start following Jesus? And I think if we can, by love, through love, embrace one another's process in Christ Jesus, and allow for transitions to take place over weeks, months, and years, then it's easy because I am not there to be the barometer to anybody and say, by this time you should. That's not my job. That's Holy Spirit's work. And we encourage one another to say, hey, keep on following Jesus. Um, I've got this one friend of mine. He says three words every five days. And I've often when I looked at him, I've, uh, I've chuckled because he's so different to me. But he loves the Lord God with all his heart. But he is not me. He's a different person following the same Jesus. And when I look at his life, the life of fruit that he carries is so amazing that I can only celebrate the Lord Jesus. Something else that I know I like about the whole house church concept, and you get it in cells too, you know, when a smaller group of people get together, is that I get the impression that there are quite a few people sitting in churches right now with lots of questions, but they don't ask it because the format of someone standing in front on a pulpit, on a dais, you know, on a stage, it sort of gives you the option to sit still and listen while the sermon happens, and then afterwards you go home. There's no, there's no option to, if you're wondering 
worrying about something, ask them. So what do you mean? Yeah. Or what about this scripture? Or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like ultimate authority goes to whoever does the preaching. We're in house church because you're all on the same level and you do the whole Corinthians thing that everybody comes with a word, with a hymn, with a scripture, with a whatever. Because everyone's on yeah. the same level, you get an openness to actually tackle stuff that otherwise wouldn't wouldn't happen because you just don't feel the boldness to actually speak up. Yeah, what I, what I love about it is uh, I've often had the question and say, if the Bible says there's a fivefold that has to equip the saints for the work of ministry, then how does it work? Um, if we have to serve one another, how does it work uh, where it is not orchestrated uh, to the T? I remember one of my friends was at a place that I had to go minister, and, and I remember he said to me, Five past 11, you sing that song, and eight past 11, that song is finished. And, and I remember when I, when I listened to that, uh, uh, for me, I have a struggle with it because the following Jesus part, the living community together part, the loving one another on purpose part is like a river flowing. I, I might have side walls that determine the direction of the river. But I cannot determine the strength. I cannot direct it, uh, direct each drop as to where it should. So there's a flowing that needs to take place in our journey together with God. If somebody this week had a dream and he has the right to come share it, then we can hear God through his dream. Somebody else has something that they, a, a phrase that they read on Facebook and they come and they read it and it encourages somebody. Somebody else picks up on that. And when you start to experience that flow of intimacy, that flow of hearing God, the joy of seeing God speaking to and through other people as yourself, then there's a joy that we both, we all have saying, well, God is real. This God we serve is real. Uh, when you see the community, somebody is sick and we all stop and we pray for that person, trusting God for healing, uh, trusting God for breakthrough for somebody that needs finances, a mother that is single, that is struggling with her children in their process, adding value to that, going to cut the lawn from this farm, etc., etc. Then all of a sudden, the book of Acts gets displayed. The, the Christ-following story throughout the writings of Paul gets displayed where we love one another on purpose uh, and with joy and then we celebrate God and love one another. And I have to say, I, I, am, uh, I am surprised by it as somebody that grew up in church because I didn't, uh, I didn't anticipate you know, this part of the journey now. But discovering this with a lot of people, I am overjoyed in seeing that the gospel is real and the, that which is written works when we endeavor to do it. Hmm. And it's harder to judge someone if you know them better. <laughs> if yeah. you get to know someone, then you've got more mercy for someone if you know their good and their bad points, that, which only happens in relationship. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, as, a, as somebody who has done ministry for many years, I have come to the place where I have uh, come to the place of realizing my own faults, my weaknesses, my um, uh, struggles. And when you, when you get into a smaller world, uh, a world where it's no longer trying to have the best sermon, but it's a world where you want to share the life of Christ. And one of the best ways I have discovered is, is sharing the discovery of Christ through my weaknesses. 
Mm-hmm. And when people start to hear your weaknesses, your stories of struggle, and the discovery of this God in that story, it also gives them a space where they can share their story of weaknesses. Um, this, this Sunday past, I remember I shared the verse where it says, uh, your, my strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. Yeah. And this, and this is something as Christians, as followers of Christ, that we can celebrate because that weakness causes me to cry out to God, causes me to cry out to the community of faith and say, hey, I need help. And in that moment to discover this help and this love, it does something for you that is, uh, that is something that you want to pass on to your children and say, I believe this because. And I think many of the churches, uh, well, church people, don't really know why they are serving Jesus. No. Because we do it because of tradition and culture. But we haven't discovered the why of Christ and the community of faith. And I always dream and hope that people would, because if they discover Christ in their journey, then what would separate you then from him? If you discover a community of faith with incredible faults and mistakes, but incredible love and persistence, then you are one of the crowd that can move forward together and say, I can forgive you because I need forgiveness. I can give you grace because I need grace. And I have received it from God without fault and measure. And I can pass it on to you as you need it. I need it also. Hmm. I'm just thinking it's like a TV license. It's the right thing to do. That's why we follow Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, talking about weakness. Oi, it is such a privilege to be able to see this world God has created. How come you can go visit Europe, Nohal? Um, the, the Europe part is an amazing story. It, it started 28 years ago in a guy prophesying to myself and my wife um, about an international ministry. And I remember as a, as a, a kid 28 years younger, um, I always believed you can do anything. I just don't know how. But I remember he was the first guy and then somebody else prophesied and then a third guy prophesied. And, and I remember by that time, you, you must kind of make peace with the fact that God is saying something that you don't understand. So 25 years went by, and I remember uh, 2018, God started speaking to me about praying for the Netherlands. Um, I remember that evening, and, and he, he showed me specific things, and I remember praying for it. And in 2019, God opened the door for me to go there and uh, experience this place without any ministry opportunities, without anybody inviting me to go preach, but just go and put my feet on the soil. And when I got there, um, a ministry engagement opened up. Uh, People started uh, giving me space to share Jesus with them. And we had an amazing, amazing time. And I remember I asked the Lord, I said, would you grant me one nation per year to the tally? And I remember, so in 2019, I started with going to the Netherlands, a, a church and a space in the Netherlands. Uh, and last year, uh, it, I added Switzerland, or God added Switzerland to the to the list. And this year, uh, Belgium is added and England is added. So there's already four nations that I have the privilege of ministering to some of the people and encouraging them with the message of Jesus. So, yeah, it's a privilege. Okay, I'm not jealous, but that's just because I'm so spiritually mature and everything. That you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we definitely know you can talk. That we do. We know you can sing yeah. because we have been playing your music in the past. But in the past, it's been mostly Afrikaans. Now you send me this English song. So 
or you haven't been sending me English music or something changed? Um, I think the, it, it's, it's strange because most of the songs I've ever written was actually English, but for some other reason, the, the, the music I made was Afrikaans. But now, especially with, um, I remember with the church process, uh, I had a big thing in my heart for a, for a, a interracial community, a multiracial community that serves Jesus together. And English was a, a incredible, powerful means to this conversation because uh, it offends people and it brings them together. Um, and where Afrikaans, uh, my home language, is something that puts a limit to that dream. And uh, so we started with that. So ministering in Europe, uh, Afrikaans doesn't go far. Um, so English is definitely <laughs> essential to this this concept. But I think the music going forward, this this next album or wave of music, which, which I've written, are all, are all English. And I am thankful that God is starting to open the doors through that direction. So that being said, uh, the Afrikaans part is going on as people invite and you minister to that. But I have a heart for the nations. And I think ultimately the dream of God's heart is that the nations will be saved. And uh, for me, a viable language is definitely English in sharing the message of hope, the message of goodness and kindness and God's goodness. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm looking forward to where it might go and what it might do. Now, I'm just thinking if you're in Belgium or in Netherlands or that they'd like to hear, yeah, they not necessarily understand, but I think they'd like to hear Afrikaans. I know Pete Smith, when he goes there, he sells a lot of Afrikaans CDs when he goes to the Netherlands and Belgium specifically because it's, it leans towards their language, even though it's not 100% there. It's, you know, it's curious for them to listen to our language. Yeah, I, I, I think it is. Um, for me, their languages are the curious part. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think as South Africans, we always understand um, you know, when you go to Belgium or you go to Switzerland or all of these, Switzerland is only 8 million people. Um, and I mean, that is like Limpopo. That, that's a, it's not a big space. Where South Africa has got, what, where are we now? 62 million, 63 billion people. And we don't, uh, when you go to Europe and you go to one of these nations, Belt, um, the Netherlands have got 23 million people. We don't understand how small it really is compared to South Africa as part, uh, uh, compared to space. So when you get there, that's quite a, uh, quite an intriguing thing to experience. So when you go to France and Germany and they are very, very focused on their languages, um, the people in the Netherlands, they want to speak to you in their language. Mm. Um, so they will grant you to speak in English um, and they will entertain for a short brief uh, some Afrikaans so that they can point you out as uh, the foreigner. Um, but that has been interesting for me that, that discovering uh, in Switzerland, the ministry was in German. Uh, they've got a Swiss-German dialect that they make use of. So they, I had an interpreter while I was preaching in English. So that was an interesting experience for me, you know, because you think English should go everywhere in the world and everybody understands it, and it really isn't so. It really isn't so. Yeah, you know what? My brother's just immigrated to Switzerland, also to the German part, and I studied yeah. German at school, but we did Hochdeutsch just to find out they have so many dialects and that the Swiss German is completely different from the German German yes. that you have in Germany. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, language is very, very interesting. Okay, well, let's get to the music quickly. You've got a new song, okay. You Are Good. Tell me about the song. Uh, I think that song is one of those moments where you have such a lot of fun. 
uh, evaluating your process as a human being, uh, as a person of faith. And you see, you, the song reveals your struggles. Uh, in my in my hard times, my glad times, my, the times that I understand things, the times that I don't understand things, and then discovering that God is good, no matter what my processes might reveal. And uh, I have often seen in our modern day Christianity, there's a trend where the trend is. Uh, if it uh, if things are going well, then it is God. If things are going bad, then it is the devil, yeah. um, and so on. Hmm. Where the Bible doesn't reveal that. The Bible says on earth there will be struggles. The Bible reveals that there will be moments where we say, God, I don't know what to go, where to go. That's why we re- are required to live by faith. That's why we are required to live in the goodness of God with the assurance that no matter what I'm going through, it's like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's like, uh, King, if we die, we die, but we cannot bow our knees to you because we have settled this question. We belong to him whom we serve. And so the song is kind of this cry in all seasons that, God, you are good. Uh, I love the scripture that says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the wrath of God. It's not the anger. It's not the, it's not the, it's not that. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance and to turn to him and to find him and discover him as the good God we serve. Okay. So just before we play the song, if people want to connect with you, socials, all of that, how do they do that? Uh, I'm the Facebook guy, so they can go to Jan Curtin on Facebook. And I have recently started making use of YouTube, so Jan Curtin Ministries on YouTube. Uh, so there's a good space for, for really good information that um, I am enjoying. And, uh, yeah, then ultimately my cell number is uh, 82 401 So 082-8211-401. That is a way to get hold of Jan Curtin other than Paula Kwani itself. Just have you maybe spell that curtain, otherwise people are going to put it in the one that hangs in front of the window. Yeah, you have to have a spelling mistake in the curtain that hangs. So C-U-R-T-I-N, not A-I-N, just I-N, C-U-R-T-I-N.